eight is enough, won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to The Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Rocky IV. Rocky versus Russia. <laughs> Take yourself back to 1985. Mm. March 6th, 18-year-old Mike Tyson makes his professional boxing debut in Albany, New York. He defeated Hector Mercedes via first-round TKO. He actually fought 15 times in his first year as a professional. Yeah, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. What I was 15 doing. times seems like a lot. Oh, he was amazing. My uh, buddy, Laser Tag Larry, <laughs> is so such yeah. a horrible nickname for him. Uh, if you listen, I apologize. But... Uh, his dad bought one of those ginormous satellite dishes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. Biggins. Yeah. And so he had like four billion channels from all over the world. Nice. But we, that's when we got into boxing, and I probably watched all oh, yeah. 15 of those bouts. And there was one where I believe he uh, his arm was broken or like his shoulder was – It was messed up, uh, yeah. but he still won And he anyway. still just yeah. beat the hell out of the guy with one arm. It was one of the greatest yeah. fights I've ever seen. Yeah, the first time I ever one of those big satellite dishes was the WrestleMania. I think it was like WrestleMania three or something. Uh, my friend Dan, his dad had one, and it was the same thing. It was just like it was so weird, it's so weird. His dad would get so mad because we get it out of delineation. Yeah. I don't know whatever the hell <laughs> whatever. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be calibrated properly, and he's like, be uh, like, "What's on yeah. in Russia?" <laughs> April nineteenth, the Soviet Union performs a nuclear weapon test in eastern Kazakhstan. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this is the Cold War. It happens. November 19th in Geneva, U.S. President Ronald Reagan and Soviet Union leader Mikhail Gorbachev meet for the first time. Yeah, it was cute. Cute little meet cute. <laughs> they uh, <laughs> they both re- were reaching for the sugar at the same time. And <laughs> the knuckles touched and they looked oh. at each other's eyes. And, oh. and then Reagan was like, really? I think you have some jelly on your head. And uh, and he's like, that's birthmark. And he was like, oh, and then gloss-nosed. <laughs> and then just eight days later, Rocky IV is released on November 27th in the U.S., just in time for an all-American Thanksgiving. Yeah, he, he solved the Cold War <laughs> through punches. He did. He, uh, he he just wanted people to come together, you know. Uh, you guys can go. These guys can go together. That's coming, baby. <laughs> uh, so obviously Rocky IV would not be possible if it wasn't for the first three Rocky movies. So just a quick recap of the first three Rocky films. Yeah, histories. <laughs> yes. Rocky was released in 1976. It made $225 million off a $1 million budget. Good lord. It was a lot. It was one of the most successful, like, uh, indie movies, I guess, at the time. Like, privately funded kind of movies. Uh, yeah. It 225,000 percent profit. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, it was nominated for 10 Academy Awards, uh, winning three, including Best Film Editing for Richard Halsey and Scott Conrad, Best Director for John G. Avildsen, who went on to direct the first three Karate Kid movies. Oh, yeah? Uh, and eventually directed Rocky V. Uh, and uh, Best Picture for Robert Chartoff and Erwin Winkler, the producers of Rocky. Nice. So, yeah, he didn't direct the first one. He did not. They didn't allow him to. He wanted to, but they didn't allow yeah. him to. Good. That's why he got so many awards. 
But he did take a huge pay cut because he wanted to star in it. That's Bridge of the Line. Yeah, yeah, so, okay, yeah. Did yeah. one do pornos for the rest of my life. <laughs> Rocky II was released in 1979 and made just over $200 million off a $7 million budget. It was not as good. People wanted to see me win. They wanted to see me beat him. They didn't like who lost the first one. They didn't like it. Uh, the film did win Best Picture at the American Movie Awards and won the People's Choice Award for Favorite Motion Picture. It was not a nominated for any Academy Awards. It wasn't as good. It was just basically like... It was a rehash of the first movie. It, it was really just like giving people what they wanted, which was yeah. watching Rocky yeah. win. And it's... Yeah, and it was it was fine. I mean, it was fine. Racists. Rocky Three was released in 1982. Uh, it made 270 million dollars off of a 17 million dollar budget. Nice. It was nominated for Best Original Song for Eye of the Tiger by Survivor at the Academy Awards. Oh, baby! I used to run to this soundtrack. Now, oh yeah, oh yeah. It was Eye of the Tiger in the cream of the crop. Thrill of the fight. Hmm? Okay. It's the thrill of the fight. It's the eye of the tiger. It's the thrill of the fight. Yeah, it's also the cream yeah. of the crop, baby. Okay, all right. There's lots of lyrics. <laughs> the way there are. Okay. Tom Milne of the Monthly Film Bulletin wrote about Rocky Three. Starting off a replay of our hero second miraculous return from the dead to win a championship back at the end of Rocky Two, itself a virtual repeat from the original Rocky. Rocky Three soon demonstrates that it has nothing to offer but more of the same. There are fleeting moments, thanks chiefly to a personal performance by Carl Weathers. But the time has surely come for Rocky Balboa to take the final count. And that brings us to Rocky IV. Yeah, the final count. <laughs> it made $270 million. Of course there was going to be a sequel. It's going to happen. The movies kept making money. I yes, mean, man. And then once they turned into, like, <sighs> he became a cartoon. Yes. Like, by the time he got to Rambo three and Rocky three, yeah. As soon as he hit the trilogy, Cartoon City, man, Rocky three was super fun, but it also had him fighting Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Club of it, it was a wrestling match, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was yeah. like a boxing slash wrestling. It was just like, oh yeah, you know, yeah. he was a uh, famous kid who was at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I, yeah. Club yes. of Lang took him down a notch. He did. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> but I always get those two mixed up because I I. I always think of the Carl Weathers thing as uh, is Rocky is three. three, but no, it's, it's like four. three and four. I get mixed up. Uh, four. The only reason four is because it was it came out right around the time when I started forming memories, and so it was one of the it was the first Rocky movie. Thirties, thirty one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so development for a fourth Rocky film began soon after the box office office success of Rocky three in June nineteen eighty two. After viewing the movie Rocky three, Timothy A- Burton Anthony. Sorry. In June 1982, after viewing the movie Rocky III, Timothy Burton Anderson wrote a 31-page treatment for Rocky IV. Yeah, I gotta write a 31-page treatment for Rocky IV. Uh, So inspired. This was unsolicited. He just wrote it. Oh, Uh, cocaine. His idea involved Rocky fighting an East German boxer. Uh, Rocky would train all over Europe. The CIA and KGB would get involved for some reason. Of course. It would culminate with Rocky fighting the East German boxer just outside of the Berlin Wall in East Berlin. Uh, of course, Rocky would win, and the East Germans would all cheer for Rocky. Uh, that was his treatment, his 31-page 30, treatment. Well, there's a lot going on with the CIA and the KGB. Uh, yeah. Uh, in October of 1982, Anderson met with Art Linkletter, a member of MGM's board of directors at his Bel Air home. He also met with Freddie Fields, then president of MGM UA, at his 
Culver City office, and also had meetings during the summer of 1983 with then-board chairman Frank Yablons, Yablons! and MGA UA Vice President Peter Bart. Uh, so he met with people. Sure. Like, you know, he had meetings. He, yeah. He, he got further than most people did. But you know what meetings are? Yeah. Yeah, I really like that treatment. What else you got? Yeah. Uh, I saw a great quote that everywhere else is always no, 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 until yes, but Hollywood is yes, 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 until no. Yeah. And, and, and it, you know, and this is a perfect example of that. Uh, during the meetings, they discussed Anderson's script for Rocky IV. Anderson claimed that MGM told him that if they used his script, he would be paid a large sum of money. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anderson also met with Stallone in May of 1983 at Stallone's Paramount Pictures office. Hey, how you doing, uh, Anderson? Come on into my office. It was a meeting arranged and attended by then-Deputy White House Chief of Staff Michael Deaver. Yeah, you, you know Michael Deaver? Yeah, <laughs> he works in the White House. He's a pretty uh, big muckety muck. <laughs> Stallone ended up writing his own screenplay for Rocky Four, as he obviously would, because he wrote the first three Rocky movies. Why would he not? Hey, look. Uh, the reason why I got the White House here is I just want to be above board. When, uh, you know, I write my uh, screenplay. I don't want anybody thinking I stole anything from your German pieces. Uh, well, Anderson ended up suing Stallone anyway for a copyright infringement, claiming they stole his idea for Rocky IV. You shall be the man! <laughs> Unfortunately for Anderson, while Stallone was promoting Rocky III in May of 1982, he told multiple journalists and TV personalities about his idea for a fourth movie, which involved Rocky fighting a Soviet powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why... Anderson thought that he would get away with this or that he would somehow get money for this? Well, he thought, look, even though they had the same idea, he thought that they stole part of his stuff. Yeah. As somebody who went around for a lot of these stupid meetings <laughs> right, at one right. time, the you know, they the first thing that they say is, "We love it." We have something very similar though, unfortunately, in development. And, right. Right. You know, so it's like, you know, the same thing. It's like the the two Meteor movies to this movie. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. It, there are people that have the same idea at the same time. There's only a right, certain amount of things, right. you know, that people can think up, especially certain amount of things with Rocky. And, you know, who knows? But I, I get it, it but it's it was ill-fated. Well, uh, it wasn't settled until 1989, but it was determined that while some scenes were similar from Anderson's treatment, like training in a foreign country and the Soviet crowd getting on Rocky's side, an infringing work not was not entitled to copyright protection. So essentially, he tried to play with characters he didn't know, and, and the court was like, come on. Exactly. It's like if I wrote a Darth Vader movie where it's like, Weekend at Bernie's and Darth <laughs> Vader and Darth Maul have to prop up Palpatine at some crazy, Cart you know, around. evil Sith meeting. Watch and over the Senate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the rights to those characters. No. You know what I mean? It's like you, you can do whatever you want, but the people that own the rights get to determine what happens. Yeah, it, 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 it just... It seemed, it's just a bad idea from this guy in, in the, from the very beginning. It's like, great, you know, you had an idea. They, they were like, hey, we're going to entertain this. No, we're going to go with something else. Of Instead co- of yeah. using his foot in the door to further something else, yeah. he held yeah. on to this like a bone. I'm telling you, cocaine. I, I, yeah, all he had to do was say, look, man, you like my treatment. Give me, yeah, give me anything else. I'll write anything. Like, give me whatever. I, but it's also, you know, I mean, I also, the, the business isn't, geared toward 
the little guy yeah. either. So No, no, it's totally not. And and this was a huge deal back in the day. I mean, it was covered by all the, the Hollywood tabloids and stuff. Like, it was a huge deal. Um, cause yeah. it, Anything it, to take, it take somebody right. down a pick. They were trying to make Stallone look bad. Uh, Anderson would actually later go on to write a novel called The Reign of the Stavka in 1995. It places a new spin on the question of why the Soviet Union capitulated with scarcely a shot being fired. Yeah. He really likes... Uh, He's a Soviophile. I, the novel culminates in a bizarre military confrontation in a desolate region of the American Southwest where the most awesome secret of the Soviet past is revealed. Uh, yeah, he totally was. And part of it was I, I discovered the stuff before I read the in-depth of it. I was like, oh, so he really just has a knack for this whole Soviet thing. And sure. Or likes it. I mean, my guess is maybe maybe the reign of the Stavka was part of his treatment. Like, you know, the whole KGB CIA thing and whatever. Anyway, it's available for purchase if you want to buy it on Amazon. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, so after Stallone wrote his script, uh, they moved on to the casting. Of course, he cast himself again as Rocky Balboa. Yeah, he still had to audition, though. He, he, he did. He had to audition. Yeah. Is it the scene with him and his son in bed? Yeah. I was originally going to play the robot. He's like to change it up. Yeah. He was a household name by this point, obviously, because of the Rocky franchise. The Robot? Uh, no, Rocky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so hey. Stallone. He'd received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1984. Uh, by this point, he's actually directing as much as he was writing and starring in movies. Uh, this would be his last directorial effort until 2006 with Rocky Balboa, the sixth film in the franchise. Uh, oh, wow. Like I said before, Rocky V was directed by John G. Evanson. So he didn't, he, he actually, yeah, he didn't direct for like 20 plus years. Like it was a it long was, time. It was a very taxing movie. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was, I was more into collecting art and trying to prove to people that I wasn't a dummy. <laughs> Talia Shire is Adrian coming back again. Adrian! Uh, she's actually part of the large Coppola clan. Uh, her yeah. brother is Francis Ford Coppola. Yep. Her nephew is, is Nick Cage. Nick Cage, and her son is Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman from her second marriage. Uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I love Jason Schwartzman. I think yeah, he's me fantastic. too. Bored to Death is such a great oh, and underrated show. Such a great underrated show, yeah. Uh, Talia Shire was actually nominated for Best Supporting Actress by the Academy for The Godfather Part Two in 1974. She was nominated for Best Actress by the Academy for playing Adrian in Rocky in 1976. Well, it's, she's so different. I mean, the real, the real Adrian. Well, the the first Rocky is a really great rags to riches. Oh yeah, yeah. you know, working class mook. Yeah, dumb dumb, yeah. making it big, and she's yeah. like this weirdo, you know, totally weird. Shut-in kind of lady. These the gloves, she, she and he's is. like, she doesn't know what to do with this mook. It's such a cool love story because they're both so incapable <laughs> of, you know, of being with. It's the real. It's just. It's, a, it's like the Jaws movies. As you subsequently watch these movies, <laughs> it makes you sadder and sadder for the the, yeah. the masterpiece that was the originals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they really. They these try. are fun, stupid movies. Yes. but it's just. It's like. I mean, this is a bit extreme, but it's like, you know, if, like, To Kill a Mockingbird had, like, four sequels, uh, and by, like, the third one, it was, like, you know, My Cousin Vinny, yeah. you, you know, was a sequel yeah, to, yeah. you know. 
They tried in Rocky Four. They tried to give to Adrian stuff. They tried to give her a storyline and 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 make her more integrated into the movie. <laughs> they just made her the shrew. It was uh, yeah. so stupid. It yeah. was just like Rocky. I want you to do it, and she was right. She was right that she shouldn't do it right. because his best friend got killed. And I get it. He didn't need to do it. It was just some no. stupid, like, pride. Fed is going to fight. You know? It's just like, stu- <laughs> you're, you're a moron, punchy. <laughs> Ugh. And it's just like, and then, like, it didn't matter anyway. Because four minutes later, it's like, oh, look who still showed up on the doorstep know, in Russia. I know. Hi, Rocky. Hey, what you doing here? Hey. <laughs> oh, you come to support me anyway. Okay. All right, Lucas. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there are a bunch of characters negated. Yeah, well, yeah. The robot had more <laughs> lines and a, and a more interesting through line. Oh, well, uh, well, she was in love with uh, Polly. She loves me. <laughs> Burt Young come, came back as Polly. I love Burt Young. Uh, he's fantastic. He was actually nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his work in the first film. He is the best curmudgeon. He's just the best, like... Oh, yeah. He's just, he's so, he's just so off-putting, but so lovable at the same time. Yeah. He has a long list of films and TV roles, including Chinatown in 1974, uh, The Gambler in 1974, The Killer Elite in 1975, Convoy in 1978. Convoy! Uh, uh, Uncle Joe Shannon in 1978, which he also wrote, uh, Once Upon a Time in America in 1984, and The Pope of Greenwich Village in 1984. Such a good movie. Oh, fantastic movie. Uh, he's also appeared in many television programs, including... I'm sorry, where are we? Uh, next page. Down the middle there. Down the bottom middle. The Rockford Files, Bonetta, Law and Order, Walker, Texas Ranger, All in the Family, MASH, and Miami Vice. He was great in the Rockford Files and oh, yeah. on Miami Vice, too. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was on Magnum, but he, I think I'm thinking of... Uh... I don't know. I don't think so. I think I'm thinking of the Rockford Files. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he and Tony Burton are the only actors other than Stallone to actually appear in all six of the original Rocky movies. Yeah. Uh, although Talia Shire did appear in the sixth movie, but only in archival footage, since apparently she was dead by that point. Yeah, well, <laughs> her interest in being in the series sure was. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Burt Young is also a painter. Uh, his art has been displayed in galleries throughout the world, uh, and he also wrote a 400-page historical novel. Yeah, look at about all that stuff, you know. Just, yeah. just, just look right about, uh, you know, Byzantine uh, history. <laughs> I, it's interesting. I I mean, he has other interests than... But he, play, he plays that part so well. He's just such a... Uh, yeah, he's just perfect at being a lump, a lovable yeah. loser. He's the perfect lovable loser. Yeah, yeah, he's he's fantastic. And God, he was so the thing with the robot was so weird and off-putting. I just the the way I bought the fact that he slept with that robot. Like, mm, well, no. He laid down next to it. Maybe I fell asleep during that part. <laughs> Blocked it out. It was just the she loves me. It was just the, the way it was like, oh, it was creepy. It was creepy. Uh, Carl Weathers came back as Apollo Creed. Uh, Weathers is an all-around athlete involved in boxing, football, gymnastics, judo, soccer, and wrestling. Yeah, he's cut. Yeah, he was. Uh, He played college ball for the San Diego State University Aztecs. Uh, Aztecs, baby. Helped him become undefeated in his senior year. He tried to join the NFL but was undrafted. Uh, He later signed with the Oakland Raiders, playing in only one game before being cut. He would go on to play in the Canadian Football League, and while there, he actually began working as an extra in films in the mid-70s. He has such a great voice. I just, it's like, his voice is so 
distinct oh, and amazing. Yeah, yeah. So good in Predator. So good in Fantastic. The Mandalorian. Yeah. Love to see that he's still working and yeah. kicking ass today. He had his first significant roles in two black exploitation films directed by his longtime friend Arthur Marks. It was Bucktown in 1975 and Friday Foster, also in 1975. <laughs> Weathers also appeared in an early 1975 episode of the sitcom Good Times titled The Nude, portraying an angry husband who suspected his wife of cheating on him with J.J. Dino May! <laughs> he also guest starred in a 1975 episode of Kung Fu, and in 1976 appeared as a loan shark in an episode of the crime drama Starsky and Hutch. The romance. Yeah, the, the, the bromance. Yeah. Yeah. No, romance. Sorry, romance, yeah. Uh, after Rocky, he appeared in numerous films and TV shows, including, as Jim said, Predator, Action Jackson, Happy Gilmore, Little Nicky, and Toy Story 4. Also as, uh, had memorable parts in Arrested Development in The Mandalorian. I loved him in Rust Development. He was so funny. Yeah, he's great. He was fantastic. He was great in The Mandalorian, too. He's a great career, and I'm so happy that he's still working. Uh, this movie introduced Brigitte Nielsen as Ludmila Vobedrago. Uh, Brigitte Nielsen was actually originally from Denmark. She began her career modeling for Greg Gorman and Helmut Newton. She made her acting debut in the 1985 film Red Sonja. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nielsen was engaged to Stallone during the production and married shortly after the release. She also starred with Stallone in the 1986 film Cobra. Cobra! Which, Cobretti. uh... Cobretti. My name's Cobretti, but they call me Cobra. I wear sunglasses. I wore the same black sunglasses in Cobra did. and Rocky Three. He did. Four. Rocky Four. four. Hey, Rocky punchy. Four, I don't yeah. remember things. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Cobra okay. was uh, actually his version of Beverly Hills Cop, so if you uh, Beverly Hills Cobretti. <laughs> want to listen to our Beverly Hills Cop episode, uh, you'll hear all about how Stallone almost was in that movie. Yeah. Uh, I met Brigitte Nielsen. Oh, yeah? I was at this, I think it was like a test pilot or something that a friend was doing for this karaoke show. It was just basically like at this bar, and they... they they realized that they just couldn't shoot the show for some reason. They were just like, screw it. We're going to open up the bar and just do karaoke. Oh, weird. And Brigitte Nielsen was there. She was one of the people or whatever. And they all, I don't remember who the other people were, but they all stuck around. We were just started drinking. And I was, for some reason, like on the stage, but leaning against the side of it, talking to somebody. And she was singing something and like grabbed me. And pulled me toward her and was like, rap. And put the microphone in my face. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I was an improviser and stuff. And I usually could think pretty quickly on my feet. <laughs> but all that came out was, uh, rap, 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 rap. <laughs> wow. But, uh, but then she like just made me dance with her and stuff. And it was... Uh, it was so weird, but she was very nice, and we had some drinks and like hung out, and she hung out with our friends, and she was very funny and very charming, and it was just such a bizarre experience, just like just pulled into her orbit, weird. and then just like lived in that orbit for a few hours, and then just never saw her again. Weird, weird. Was this while they were married? No, man. <laughs> it wasn't when I was a kid. No, this was like in the two thousands. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, wow. This was after the whole like. This was after the whole 
uh, Flava Flav thing, and, and oh, because she's very cool, and it's like she's better than I that, and it's just a bummer. Totally forgot about the Flavor Flav and Bridget yeah. Nielsen. Connection. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> I totally forgot. Well, her and Stallone got divorced in 1987. Uh, she played a villain in Beverly Hills Cop 2 in 1987 and starred as the Black Witch in the 1990s Italian film series Fantagiro. Yeah. She released her debut album, Everybody Tells a Story, in 1987 and recorded a duet with Austrian pop star Falco, Body Next to Body, written by Giorgio Mordor. Mordor. Oh, yeah. Everybody had an album back in the 80s. Even Stallone said, a drinking stein. Oh, that's right. I <laughs> forgot about that. Oh, God. Rhinestone, baby. Uh, she was pretty big in Germany and Austria. So, I, you know, she had a follow-up album she released in 1991 called I'm the One, Nobody Else. I want to believe is just her threat towards anyone. I, I yeah. Uh, she's she, just a big lady. <laughs> she's like a tall drink of water. You know, she she's is. a she is she's a statuesque beauty. You know, she's just like yeah. I don't know. I think she. I think a lot of women back then got a really bad yeah rap and yeah. a bad sitch, and it's like. They always blame the lady when it was a breakup right, with, right. you know, some big dude. And it was Stallone. Who the hell's not going to divorce yeah, Stallone? Yeah, come on, I'm man. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. She, she built a career starring in B-movies and hosting TV shows and appearing on reality shows like where she met Jim. Yeah, because I'm sure she her career was ruined by him after the, the divorce or at least stymied. Because he, there's no reason why she shouldn't have gone on to do more stuff after Belly Hills Cop 2. He, he was very vocal about how much he did not like her. I didn't like her. Okay. Stuff, yeah. I did not like her. Okay. <laughs> she always was like, hey, little guy. Hey, Peewee. Give me a Peewee. She put me in her purse. I mean, she I'd was... have to sit in her purse as she walked around. <laughs> purse. It was really embarrassing. Uh, I mean, she was like five or six inches taller than him. She's, so, a, man. she's a big girl. Big she's, gal. She's a big gal. It's yeah. a big gal. Yeah. Threw me around like a rag doll. It was embarrassing. He probably, part of him liked that. A little bit. They cast Dolph Lundgren as Captain Ivan Drago. He was I a, must break you. He was originally from Sweden. His real first name is Hans. Hans? Hans Lundgren. He is a real impressive SOB, that guy. He is a fascinating man. Uh, He received a degree in chemical engineering from the KTH Royal Institute of Technology in the early 1980s. It's basically a, you know, it's like a community college for Sweden. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) He got a master's degree in chemical engineering from the University of Sydney in 1982. You know what he used to say when he was, like, doing chemistry and he would have to, like, take bonds apart? I, I, he I would go, I must break you. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how he just took to that line so well. Oh, it was part of his whole thing. Uh, yeah. He actually holds the rank of fourth Dan Black Belt in Kayu, uh, Kyokushin Karate and was European champion in 1980 to 81. Uh, while in Sydney, he became a bodyguard for Jamaican singer Grace Jones and began a relationship with her. Good Lord. What she I adore Grace Jones, but she is like a feral animal, man. Yeah. Being her bodyguard must have been a real full time job. Oh like, yeah, ah, no Grace, <laughs> I must pull you back from the brink of craziness. <laughs> Don't you do it? Uh, he received a Fulbright scholarship to MIT and moved to Boston. Uh, <laughs> he's a brilliant, brilliant man. Yeah, I mean, I love these guys that have no business acting who become huge stars, yeah. even though they they should be solving all... He We probably would have had Cold Fusion by now <laughs> if Dolph wouldn't have been in Rocky Four. F you. Hey, look, 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 look. 
It's not my fault. Okay? I think stop is star maker. Grace Jones actually convinced him to leave the university and move to New York City to be with her and begin acting, where after a short stint as a model and bouncer at the Manhattan nightclub The Limelight, Lundgren got a small debut role as a KGB henchman in the James Bond film A View to a Kill. <laughs> I want... I want... Uh, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall from the, his phone call to his parents. Or actually, well, it was like 80 because it's an out-of-country call. Right, right. So let's just skip ahead to... That's the European. Yeah, yeah. That came through. Yeah? Hello, father? Ah, uh, Dorfy, Hans. Uh, please call me Dorf. I'm trying to get used to Dorf. Okay, <laughs> Dorf. Um, what's up, uh, son? How is the chemical engineering going? Uh, <clears throat> about that. Uh, you see, uh, I told you I was dating Grace Jones. Yes, your mother and I are still a little disappointed about that. But yes. Well, she thinks I should be an actor and... Um, you know, leave school and go to New York and hang out with her and, you know, maybe be a bouncer or something. Just kind of bum around instead of, uh, you know, continuing my studies at MIT. What do you think? What do you, what do you think? Your father just had a heart attack and died. <laughs> It was a Fulbright scholarship. They don't just give those to anybody. No, it's so like Chris Jones is a maniac. Yes, she convinced him. She's chaos, man. You know she convinced him. How many prominent scientists did we lose because of Grace Jones' crazy libido? It's true. That's true. She's a a full-on science denier. I'm going to create a dearth of scientists. (laughs) I am a science denier. Oh, uh, Rocky IV was actually his uh, American film debut and, and his first big part. Uh, he, he was so good in that. And I'll tell you yeah. why. The scene where they introduce him, mm-hmm. you know, where it's where he, to the public. Yeah. And they're yeah, all like, yeah, he yeah. is the biggest specimen in the greatest training and the good to do. And the look <laughs> on his face and, and his eyes looking around, he's just like, he has this look of an animal or yeah. Yeah. He, uh, of, of somebody who doesn't understand. You know, it's like they took him out of the laboratory and he's like, he, he's like King Kong. He plays it kind of like yeah. King Kong. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I would agree uh, with that. It captured. It's it's just a really, such a more nuanced performance than, than Rocky, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, hey, come on now. Come on. Come on, well, Rocky. I mean, yeah. But he's just, it's just guys like that drive me crazy. He's super handsome. Yeah. And he's super smart. And he's super talented. You know, it's just good for him, man. Yeah. Lottery City, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. He he won on all counts. Uh, he parlayed. Except for Grace Jones, you know. Well, I guess. Yeah, but uh, she was the catalyst for him becoming who he is now. I guess, but I don't Sometimes know. Sometimes you got to go through the crazy to get to the good. He would have been like the most handsome scientist ever, too. <laughs> he would have been like every scientist would have. He would have been in all the scientist calendars. Oh, yeah. It would have been twelve December, months. Twelve yeah. months of him, just him in different poses. Mm. Did you get the Hans calendar? <laughs> you mean the new science calendar? Yeah, yeah. Uh, cobalt. <laughs> so he parlayed this role into playing He Man in the Masters of the Universe. Uh, yeah, yeah. The movie has a special place in my heart. It sure. is not a good movie. No. Uh, it's got neat, but yeah, you get to see what the action figures would look like if they were. M- 
like not super awesome looking. <laughs> <laughs> if they were just cheap knockoffs. Yeah, with really weird deep eye sockets that they the whole premise of that movie and the big weird key that plays music and mm-hmm. like the fact that guy finds weird alien technology is like this is my new instrument I'm gonna go play it by the power of break you. obviously since he's gone on to star in a bunch of other movies he's done like 80 films uh, most notably the Expendables movies uh, which they have a new one coming out which I didn't of course know. they do uh, yeah. hey Old action heroes got to eat, Adam. Got to do what you got to do. Did you ever hear the story about how somebody broke into Dolph Lundgren's house uh, here in the Hollywood Hills, and when they realized it was Dolph Lundgren's house, they left? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a black belt in super karate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They cast, uh, not cast, Tony Burton coming back is Tony Duke Evers. Uh, his little, his little, his trainer. <laughs> Whoa! <not> little. <laughs> hey, somebody's being condescending to poor uh, Tony. Tony's great. His boxing career. He's actually started as a boxer. It included the Flint Golden Gloves Light Heavyweight Championship in 1955 and 1957. Uh, he won the state Golden Gloves Light Heavyweight Championship in 1957. I. Oh, it was the state, sorry. The state Golden Gloves Lightweight Heavyweight Championship in 1957 and lost the Chicago Turn of Champions semifinals. He fought as a professional boxer in 1958-1959. After his brief professional boxing career, Burton served more than three years in a Chino, California prison for robbery. What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the acting exercises he performed as part of a therapy program helped steer him into an acting career after his release. He had roles in a number of films while appearing in the Rocky franchise, including Assault on Precinct 13 in 1976, directed by John Carpenter. Great movie. Fantastic movie. The Shining in 1980, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, that was a great movie. Too. Okay, yeah. mm, he was Larry Dirk in The Garage Owner. Uh, Stir Crazy in 1980, directed by Sidney yeah. Poitier. The great movie The Toy in 1982, starring Richard Pryor, directed by Dick Donner. Well, he and uh, Pryor were pals. They, they were front, Yeah, they were close. Uh, Armed and Dangerous in 1986, starring John Candy. Uh, Burton was actually a really talent, talented chess player. Uh, Stanley Kubrick was defeated by him on the set of The Shining. Burton recalled his first day on the set. My contract was for a week. I had two short scenes in the movie. I stayed for six weeks because Stanley and I were playing chess. Stanley was a stronger player than I, but I was strong enough to give him sufficient struggle to where he enjoyed it. I beat him in the first or second game we played, and then I didn't win anymore after that. But it was always a tight struggle. That's what he loved. I guess there was no one else around that played strong. Unfortunately, he passed in 2016 due to complications with pneumonia. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, but he was great. I, he was so great in these movies, and and I, I every, everything like he was fantastic. He was such a good actor, and oh, yeah. I'm I'm glad that he was able to turn himself around, and you know. Hey, but, man! Everybody's got a struggle in their life. Yeah, and it I, it's kind of nice that you know he he had the success in the Rocky movie since he was a boxer, and you know being an athlete in the fifties wasn't like being an athlete in the eighties or the nineties. Yeah. You know, there wasn't a lot of money. No, people no. just kind of used you up and threw you away, especially in in. Yeah. Pro-am boxing like this. Yeah, and if you weren't crazy successful, you just weren't making money. You put all that time in and effort, and, and your body gets ruined, and then it's like, here's, here's your 50 bucks. It's like, okay. Uh, they cast Michael Pataki as Nikolai Koloff, uh, the agent. Uh, <laughs> Pataki's film credits include Airport 77 in 1977. Nice. Uh, Spider-Man in 1977, the CBS television movie. 
You remember the Spider-Man yeah. movie? It's so awful. <laughs> He's blonde. Yeah, it was so bad. Love at First Bite in 1979, starring George Hamilton. Uh, raised the Titanic in 1980. Love at First Bite was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great. The George Hamilton comedies are very underrated. We have to do a George Yeah, yeah, Hamilton we definitely, one. definitely. Zorro the Gay Blade, Love at First Bite. Yeah, it was great. It was great. He had a nice little run. He did. He did. Uh, raised the Titanic in 1980, based on the Clive Cussler novel. Nope. <laughs> Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins in 1985, starring Fred Ward. Yeah. Yeah, such a great movie. Uh, he also starred a number of B-movies, including Dracula's Dog in 1977. Uh, he played opposite Reggie Nalder and Jose Ferrer as a descendant of Dracula who was being stalked by a vi- vampiric Doberman Pinscher, hmm. which just made me want to see the movie. Yeah. Uh, Pataki was also an accomplished voiceover artist, playing the part of the Sewer King in the episode of Batman the Ap- Animated Series. What a great show. He was also the voice of George Licker in the Ren, the Ren and Stimpy show. <laughs> oh, yeah. George Which I didn't Licker. I didn't realize that was him. So, hey, yeah. guys. Uh, he actually, right before they did the last Ren and Stimpy stuff in, like, 2006, he actually passed. It was the last thing that he did. Bummer. Well, uh, good for, George I mean, it was, it was a good uh, swan song. George he was like, Licker. He was, like, 90 or something when he passed. Like, it was crazy. Good run. Um, yeah. Uh, so the filming, they had doubled Wyoming for the frozen expanse of the Soviet Union. The small farm where Rocky lived and trained was in Jackson Hole, and Grand Teton National Park was used for filming many of the outdoor sequences in the Soviet Union, like where he gets chased by the KGB. Eighteen montages that happened. <laughs> The Peony Agrodome at Hastings Park in Vancouver, British Columbia, served as the location of Rocky's Soviet bout. Uh, Sylvester Sloan actually stated that the original punching scenes filmed between him and Dolph Lundgren in the first portion of the fight are completely authentic. Completely authentic. Completely authentic. Stallone wanted to capture a realistic scene, and Lundgren agreed that they would engage in legitimate sparring... I agree to break you. <laughs> One particular forceful Lundgren punch to Stallone's chest slammed his heart against his breastbone, causing his heart to swell. Yeesh. Stallone, suffering from labored breathing and a blood pressure over 200, was flown from the set in Canada to St. John's Regional Medical Center in Santa Monica, <laughs> forced into intensive care for eight days. I feel weird, guys. Maybe we should take a break. Oh, oh. Uh, Stallone said... Punch me as hard as you can in the chest. Next thing I know, I was in intensive care unit in St. John's Hospital for four days. <laughs> it's stupid. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is stupid, pal. He was a championship martial artist. Yeah, they punched me. Are, Just, you, are you sure? I, I'm three times your size and I'm an actual real fighter. Uh, punch me. Come on. Come on. Come on, P-word. So, Come on, wimp. So stupid. Come on, come on, punch me, little girl. Uh, Stallone later commented that he believed Lundgren had the athletic ability and talent to fight in the professional heavyweight division of boxing. And he visited him in the hospital, and he was like, I'm sorry, I broke you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Additionally, Stallone has stated that Lundgren nearly forced Carl Weathers to quit during the filming of the Apollo versus Drago exhibition fight. Yeah. At one point in the filming of the scene, Lundgren tossed Weathers into the corner of the boxing ring. Weathers shouted profanities at Lundgren while leaving the ring and announcing that he was calling his agent and quitting the movie. Yeah, I'm not a boxer. I'm an actor, you monster. You're supposed to be acting, yes. Uh, This is what happens when you don't train. Yeah. It's like 
Stallone. What? Look, he's going to be really realistic. Yeah, you got to make it real. You yeah. know, he would do stuff like, all right, we're going to punch each other on the count of three. One, two, punch. You know, it was like he was a, a kind of a dick when it came to filming these fight scenes. And And look, he took the brunt of the punishment. He did. He did. But still. But still, it's like. Come on, man. It's a movie. Yeah. Carl yeah. Weathers is a pretty, pretty man. You can't damage that pretty face. <laughs> uh, only after Stallone forced the two actors to reconcile did filming continue. The event caused a four-day work stoppage while Weathers was talked back into the part and Lundgren agreed to tone down his aggressiveness. Okay, I'll tone it down. Yeah. Uh, Rocky IV is one of the few sports movies that applies genuine sound effects from actual, actual punches, uh, bona fide training methods created by boxing consultants, and a bevy of other new special effects. Yeah, he really wanted it to be as real as possible. He was trying to make it authentic, yeah. Uh, the film was actually recognized as being ahead of its time in its demonstration of ground-breaking high-tech sporting equipment, some of which was experimental, and 20 years from public use. Well, yeah, the whole training stuff with uh, Drago is, is was so... State of the art, yeah, and ahead of yeah. its time back then. You look at it now; it's still it doesn't hold up, but it looks okay. Yeah, and a lot of that was just towards like you know sports medicine and treating injuries and stuff, and like monitors that did super. It was crazy technology. It was super amazing. Speaking of technology, Polly's robot, a character that through the years has enjoyed a cult following of its own, was created by International Robotics Inc. in New York City. Hey, look, Polly! Happy birthday, man! Look what I got you! It's a robot. You gonna love it, right? You gonna love it? I wanted a sports car. You got a robot. I forgot how big the robot was. For some reason, I remember it being smaller than that. No, it's got a giant head. It's huge. Uh, the robot's initial voice was that of the company CEO, Robert Dornick. I am Robert Dornick. <laughs> he actually, they didn't do any modulation to his voice at all. It's just how he sounds. I am. That's why I make robots. <laughs> I want friends who sound like me. The robot is identified by its engineers as Seiko and is was a member of the Screen Actors Guild. I haven't paid my dues. It, in several years, I've been over years. <laughs> well, I don't think he's been acting at all. Or she's I've been, been doing acting. a lot of low-budget, <laughs> independent cinema. It actually toured with James Brown in the 1980s. <laughs> the, the robot was written in the movie after it had been used to help treat Stallone's autistic son, Sergio. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the musical score for Rocky IV was composed by Vince DeGola. Vince DeGola. Who would later compose the music for the Transformers the movie. Yeah. Rocky IV is the only film in the series not to feature original music by Bill Conti, who was replaced by DeGola. Yeah, because uh, it's like a lot cheaper to use one synthesizer than an entire orchestra. Yeah. Uh, however, it does feature arrangements of themes composed by Conti from previous films in the series, such as The Final Bell. Conti, who was too busy with the first two Karate Kid films at the time, would return for Rocky V and Rocky Balboa. Conti's famous piece of music from the Rocky series, Gonna Fly Now, does not appear at all in Rocky IV the first time in the series this happened. Though Gonna if, fly yeah. now. Uh, though a few bars of it are incorporated into Decola's training montage instrumental, one of the, like, five. <laughs> Yes, pretty much. Uh, Songs from the movie include Living in America by James Brown. Living in America. And songs by John Cafferty, Survivor, Kenny Loggins, and Robert Tepper. Good soundtrack for running. It's a great soundtrack. Uh, Four of these songs became U.S. chart hits, two of which reached the top five. 
Go West wrote One Way Street for the movie by request of Sylvester Stallone. Hey, uh, you guys, you, you ready to write a song for me? For the movie? Oh my god, it goes on for like eight minutes. Yeah. Could you make it really long? <laughs> it goes on for so long. I don't have a lot of a script, so I need to make some montages. Uh, Europe's hit The Final Countdown, written earlier in the decade by lead singer Joey Tempest, is often incorrectly stated as being featured in the film due to its similarity to Decola's training montage. Uh, however, Europe's track was not released as a single until late 1986 after Rocky IV. Yeah, release. it's got that. Yeah, it's just essentially the same, yeah. According to Peter Cetera, he originally wrote his best-selling solo single, Glory of Love, as the end title for this film, but was passed over by United Artists and instead used the theme for The Karate Kid Part 2. What is the, the last song? I was singing it last I night. It's, I don't remember. It's not memorable at all. Oh, it's so good, though. No, it, is it? I think it is. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Over the five-day Thanksgiving weekend, uh, it was released, and it grossed a non-summer record of $31.7 million. Got my money. And its fourth week of release expanded to a then-record 2,232 screens. Yeah, this was the explosion of the multiplex, as yeah. we spoke of before. Yeah. It spent a total of six weeks as the number one film in the U.S. box office, staying on top through the Christmas and New Year's period. Hey, if you liked it, you know they wanted to see me beat up a guy from Russia. <laughs> it grossed a total of $127.8 million in the United States and Canada, and $300 million worldwide, the most of any Rocky film. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It was the third highest grossing film of 1985, behind Rambo First Blood Part 2 at number two. Yeah, beat myself. And Back to the Future at number one. Yeah, that movie's stupid. There's no <laughs> boxing, and they didn't shoot anybody from Vietnam. That's true. It does not include either of those things. Yeah. What is it good for? Uh, it, Absolutely nothing. Uh, Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> it was the highest-grossing sports film of all time until The Blind Side in 2009, which grossed $309 million uh, without accounting for inflation. Yeah, they cheated. They cheats. They cheated, yes. Yeah. It, also, it was also the highest-grossing fourth installment of a film in the United States and Canada, surpassing the record of Sudden Impact from 1983, the Dirty Harry film. Yeah, I was really mad about that. I That didn't make my day. <laughs> <laughs> I... I love franchises that don't do the numbers, yeah. like the ones that are like, yeah, this is just another movie. It's the same guy, but it's another movie. And that, the Dirty Heresy is so great that way. Yeah. Sudden Impact wasn't the strongest. No, no, it was not great. Of the series. Uh, but still, I love those movies. It's a Dirty Harry so movie. It's still fun to watch. It's yeah. just him. Swell. That's my favorite. <laughs> Swell. Uh, the success of Rocky IV led to other studios opening major films over the Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah, we, we, uh, you know, we set a, a standard, a precedent. <laughs> I'm sorry, you said a what? A president. A president? Yeah, you said a president. Yeah, yeah. Well, I collect art. Unprecedented, yeah. Yeah, there's no presidents. Yeah. Stallone has said that the enormous financial success and fan following of Rocky IV once held him, uh, sorry, once had him envisioning another Rocky movie devoted to Drago and his post-boxing life with Balboa's storyline running parallel to Drago's. However, he noted the damage both boxers sustained in the fight made both of them incapable of reason. And thus instead planned Rocky V as a showcase of the dangers of boxing. Gong, gong, gong. <laughs> hey, who's I was dumb. You know, punchy. Punchy by then, you know? You know, the one with the, I was going to make with Drago. You know, we, 
we're going to be buddies. You were, oh, you were going to be friends. Yeah, yeah. Be enemies becoming friends? Yeah, because, you know, we were a little butchy. Because we beat each other's into brain damage. <laughs> beat each other's yeah. into brain damage, So we were yeah. buddies in this, uh... It was like a hospital, you know, for people with bad brains. <laughs> you know? And so, you know, we get out of there. And we, uh... You know, we escape. And, and then we get on a boat. And, and we go to a volcano... And then, you know, we we were going to put a virgin in the volcano, but we couldn't I'm, find I'm one. You're going to put a mansion in the volcano? A virgin. Oh, you know, a virgin. person who doesn't have relations with the sexual guy. Non, not, yeah. You know, right. people who haven't done it. You couldn't find a virgin? Yeah. Well, the script was meandering. That's what the guy... <laughs> it's, what, uh, it's what Dolph said. It's it's meandering. meandering. Did you take his word for it? I mean, he does have, like, a master's degree in chemical yeah. engineering. He's always thrown that in my face. I mean, he yeah. won a Fulbright scholarship. You never even finished high school, porno guy. That's what he used to call me, porno guy. Porno guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah little porno guy. Little teeny porno guy. <laughs> little teeny yeah, porno guy. Sometimes you call me butt plug. Oh, okay. So little porno. All right. Use your imagination. So Rocky Five was released in 1990, featuring the dangers of boxing, uh, which is so bad. Personally, my least favorite Rocky oh, movie. Man, and uh, Tommy Morrison was the boxer. Tommy Gunn. And uh, he was the grandson of John Wayne. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Morrison. Yeah. He, um, he died from HIV complications. He did. He... <laughs> he did. Uh, no, he did. He had a really bad uh, drug addiction yeah, after. Yeah. I mean, he he hit hard, hard times. Yeah, it's yeah, a really sad story about Tommy. It is. It is. Uh, so, Rocky Four received mixed to negative reviews, with criticism for its predictable screenplay and Cold War themes, which some critics deemed as propaganda and facilitating negative portrayals of Russians. What? Uh, however, there was some praise for Drago's credibility as a villain. It was very credible. It's you. Because well, he was big and blonde. You, you make them look bad, but you do it so well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was just the his wife. The way they would cut to Brigitte, and she'd be like smiling when the guy dies and yeah. stuff. It was just kind of like, oh, it's, you know, you know, what happens pro- happens. It's a propaganda movie. You know? And I mean, then and the and the guy that was the the PR Russian guy he's so mad all the time. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, so a novelization was published by Ballantine Books in 1985. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone was actually credited as the author. Yeah, I wrote a book. <laughs> I wrote several books. I'm an author. I'm an author. <laughs> You're an otter? Yeah, I'm an otter. <laughs> You're an otter. Yeah. Do you like to swim? I do. When I'm writing my books. <laughs> in the bathtub. Doesn't that make the pages wet? Yeah, the... It takes a long time. It takes a long yeah. time. <laughs> Got to rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. Yeah. yeah. You know, all writing is rewriting, you know. Oh, that okay. That's true. Wow. Is it? Sid Fields, baby. <laughs> the novel included some backstory for Drago and his wife. Drago was a former coal miner who had come to the government's attention after being featured in a party promotional film about mining. Uh, Ludmilla, his wife, was born in Kiev to a party official, had begun training to become a swimming Olympic champion when she was nine. Yeah, a stuff going on. Backstory for those characters. Uh, in 1980, uh, sorry, in 1987, Rocky was released, the video game based on the first four Rocky films. 
2002 saw the release of Rocky the video game based on the first five Rocky films. Damn. And then two years later, the release of Rocky Legends, the video game based on the first five Rocky films. Why they had so many come out so so often just blows my mind. I don't really understand. Well, the whole plot of the mo- one of the movies was about a video game. Well, that was... Was that Creed? No, 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 no. Was it the last Rocky? No, where it was you're like... thinking of the... Uh, no. No, because was that was... Rocky Balboa? Yeah, because there was a, it, there was a there video was also... game matchup between like the champ and, and Rocky, yes. the video game. And it's like, oh, I'd love to see that. Yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was it. Because there was also that, that one boxing movie that I think De Niro was in that was about the older guys yeah. boxing. I always think that that's that has the plot about the video game. No. But it was Rocky Balboa, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because they did the simulation at the beginning, and it was like, oh, he might be able to beat him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, which that's what led to 2006, and Stallone writing and directing Rocky uh, Six released as Rocky Balboa, uh, which included the video game uh, yeah. simulation. Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, and Bridget Nielsen reprised their roles from Rocky Four and Creed Two, the sequel to the 2015 film Creed. I don't know if I saw that one. I saw I liked Creed. I saw Creed. I don't think I saw Creed 2. Uh, the plot involves Drago's son, Victor, fighting Adonis Creed, Michael B. Jordan, for his title as a way of his father, Ivan, regaining some of the prestige he lost after his defeat in Rocky IV. You must break him for my reputation. For my <laughs> reputation, yeah. Uh, in August 2020, Stallone actually announced that a director's cut edition of the film would be released to commemorate the film's 35th anniversary called Rocky IV, Rocky vs. Drago, the ultimate director's cut. Yeah, yeah, so uh, it's basically another 10 minutes at the end of the movie of me being like, if, 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 we, if these guys could get be friends, and you these guys could be friends, then maybe... Then the countries could be friends. And then American friends could be friends again. The irony is that the movie is actually only two minutes longer than the original cut. <laughs> uh, although they did add 38 minutes of previously unreleased footage consisting of both new scenes and alternate takes that Ooh. were added to the film, including significant extensions of both fight scenes and the Apollo Creed funeral scene, in addition to a lengthier recap of Rocky III at the beginning of the film. Uh, conversely, a significant amount of original footage was removed or replaced. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if they were going to have 31, and it's only two minutes yeah, later, yeah. they took out a half an hour's uh, worth of stuff. One major cut was the scenes featuring Polly's robot. Stallone commented, The robot is going to be the junk. The robot is going to the junkyard forever. No more robot! Scenes with Bridget Nielsen. I know they cut. They totally. I, that's what I don't understand. Is they cut the robot out? I think the main reason was that uh, what I had read was that they to use the voice they would have had to have paid uh, Robert Dornick the voice of the robot a lot of money. Couldn't they just replace just, it? I don't know. I don't know if that was maybe part of the contract. It's I, so of the time. I, I mean, it's like it. it yeah, it makes sense. I get it. I'm sure the cut is better without the goofy, <laughs> giant-headed robot. Polly being in love with it? Like, yeah, it's it super weird. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, uh, couldn't afford the robot. Got a big head. Got a real big head. Uh, also, unsurprisingly, most of the scenes with Bridget Nielsen were cut and substantially diminished. <laughs> Are you uh, sure you want to cut? Yeah, yeah. Look, it's not... It's not what you think, okay? <laughs> it's not for artistic reasons. But it's not scenes, because I'm bitter. These scenes are really good. They they help flow the movie. Yeah, they're gonna go. 
They had to go. They literally explain where Ivan Drago comes from. No, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. It's just not. She's got to go. But it's not because I'm bitter. Just because it's it's what's right for the movies. It's right what's right for the movies. Uh, so there's a bunch of new... Can you cut her out of Cobra? Could <laughs> <laughs> cut her out of Beverly Hills Cop 2. I was watching it last night. Yeah, and they really upset me. Um, can you cut her out of Red Sonja? I, I can't watch it without... Yeah, I... I mean, yeah, whatever. I he, hey, look, he man, there's like some exes that I wouldn't mind cutting out of some movies. I would. True. Then, you know, then, then, what are you gonna do? I'm right there with you. <laughs> uh, there are a bunch of new Rocky type stuff coming out. There's a Creed three coming out. Um, Be, don't <clears throat> never ever accuse Sylvester Stallone of refusing to beat a dead horse to. Death again. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to be in Creed 3. No, no. He might not be. No, I'm not um, but, but it is going to feature uh, Deontay Wilder. Or he's a boxing guy now. Big, big dude. And he's going to be the son of Clubber Lang. Yeah. And bring him back for, for Creed 3. And the grandson of Polly comes <laughs> and makes sandwiches for all of them. And then, you know, and then the great, great, great grandson of, uh, of uh, Piccadilly Joe. <laughs> Uh, comes out and he, you know, he starts playing the guitar, and then everybody's dead. Well, I, I, after they get Clubber Lang's son back, they just got to bring back somebody for Hulk Hogan, and they've literally mined everybody. Oh, that's a good one. Wait, let me write that down. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, his, his name's going to be Bulk. Bulk Hogan? Bulk Hogan, yeah. That's good. Thanks, Adam. Hey. We're going to give you producer hey. credit. You go associate producer credit. Yay. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's actually also talking about doing a Rocky series, uh, and this has been uh, buoyed by the fact that Amazon just bought MGM, and, oh, wow. and one of the main things that the CEO talked about was the Rocky franchise, and so there's a possibility he's going to do a TV show where he goes down to Mexico and finds a Mexican fighter, and yeah. then they have to make their way back up to America or yeah, something. Yeah, sneak over the border. Yeah. Or, some well, coyotes. something like that. It, it, I, think, I think he was... The only way yeah, but anyway, we have to put sixteen pounds of fentanyl in my butt. <laughs> in my butt. But I, at the end of the day, it's very possible. Here's the thing: I watched Creed, and I, I seriously thought that Rocky died in that movie. No, <laughs> I, didn't, I thought his he career did. did. No, he, uh, no, it was just he was like a big dumb dopey guy. But was wasn't he, he was really sick or something, right? No, he was just punchy. He just his brain wasn't. I thought there was something with cancer or something with him in that movie. That was his wife. Or maybe I that think. was in Rocky Balboa. I don't know. No, but his he, wife was dead by that point. I mean, yeah, she but was I think gone. she died. Of, but there I was don't know. something, something to do with him. Oh no, it was something having to do with like Hodgkin's disease. It was like a neuro- neurological. Because you know, no, I think it was. I think it was Hodgkin's. Pretty sure it was some kind of cancer. Parkinson's or something. No, I think it maybe. I don't think so though. I thought it was some kind of cancer. Anyway, you can tell we really paid attention to Creed when we saw it. Well, it's look. Creed was interesting because it was a different uh, movie. Yeah. You know, it finally he was like, I'm 110 years old. I can't be yeah. the boxer. Yeah. And, the, yeah. and uh, Michael, Michael B. B. Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. He was awesome. I mean, that kid is a powerhouse actor to begin with. So yeah, yeah. he was really good. Tessa Thompson was great. Yeah. Uh, the second movie didn't give her a lot to do. It's just like it. Yeah. Like anything, diminishing returns, right? So it's like by the time we get to the third one, yeah. Clubber Lang's son, 
you uh, know. Michael B. Jordan's actually directing the third movie. Yeah, so. Well, that's probably the only reason why he would do it. I, I mean, and good for yeah. him because yeah. it'll set him on to, you know, opening up his career to new things. And yeah, yeah. Good for him. And hopefully it'll be a good movie. I mean, it, it's nice that Stallone is kind of passing the torch yeah. to Michael B. Jordan and letting him be the director and star. You know, it's like yeah, he's, yeah. he's creating, you know, he's maybe being in control of his franchise, which is great. Yeah. And that's great yeah. as Stallone. And Stallone is doing, he's doing some series on, I think, Paramount Plus that's oh, yeah? coming out later this year. I think. September maybe, where he plays like a mob boss. Yeah, yeah. Oh. They, oh. I think they take me to the Midwest, you know. Like, oh. I don't know what to do there. He's a mad boss, you know. It's like, where am I going to get cannolis? And, you know, where am I going to oh. get good sauce and gravy? Where are they going to get the gravy? <laughs> but that's, yeah. So he's working. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's not. He's. I mean, he's. I'm assuming he's going to be in the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I hope so. Look, uh, you know, he's got the new Expendables movies coming out, ne- I think, next year. He is a super interesting dude. Yeah. Like, that yeah. guy has had an incredible life, an incredible career, incredible success, incredible failure, yeah, you know, and yeah. a bunch of stuff in between. And, you know, say what you will. That guy has lasted for 50 years yeah, almost, yeah. you know, in this business. And that is not an easy thing to do. And he's an icon. No, I, don't, I hate he, that word, and everybody uses it way, yeah, way too much. Yeah. But come on, the guy is a 100% 80s icon. Yeah, yeah. He was the face of the rah-rah Reagan anti-communist, anti-Russia movement. You know, he yeah. – that he, guy. He knew how to take – the the feelings of the moment and capitalize on it and make money off of it. He and knew exactly who he was. He knows exactly who he is. He may not like it. He may fight against it a little bit more than than uh, Arnold did. Yeah, yeah. You know because it's like he comes across as a dummy. You know. Yeah. And it's yeah. like nobody wants to be thought of as a dummy, especially if you're not a dummy. Right. So I right. get it. You know, I'm not a dummy. You know, that's why they take over cash. But I get it, you know, but but say what you will about the guy. He is an American success story and, yeah. and, a, and a, an absolute Hollywood legend. From the very beginning of Rocky with him demanding that he star in it to, to whatever he's doing now, the man knows what he's doing. Yeah. He works the business really yeah. well. and Even like his entrepreneur, great. you know, when he did Planet Hollywood with Bruce yeah. Willis and yeah. Arnold. Arnold, right? yeah, yeah. That was a brilliant move. Yeah, it was huge, you know, huge. Those guys, he's, yeah, it's just, they, he, those guys owned Hollywood for like yeah. t- two decades. They were good businessmen at the end of the day. I mean, that was the thing. They understood yes. how the business worked. And how the business of movies and yeah. making movies yeah. was. Well, that's all I got. So you have any uh, last thoughts, comments? We didn't really talk about it being, I mean, it's obviously very anti-Russian. But it's. Well, but yeah. at the end, it's about friends coming together. Hey, look, you know, at the end, you know, we were punching the crap out of each other. I mean, like, you know, look at our faces. It's just bloody pulse. Yeah. You know, at a certain point. The Russians, the Ruskies are like oh, Rocky Baboa, Rocky Baboa. You know, you look at Kruchev, you look at Kruchev, no, uh, whatever that guy, the stain on his face, Gorbachev. Gorbachev. You know, he's like, oh, I don't like this. Why are you talking about him and not Drago? And then the, and then the other guy, you know, probably went to Siberia. You know, that's in the novel about you know the 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 propaganda. The the PR guy goes to Siberia. There's a right. whole chapter about how he. Begins to eat the soup, 
and he's allergic to the soup. But they're like, you gotta eat it, because you did that thing. <laughs> what are you talking about? Worried! <laughs> wow, all right. That, uh, all right. Yeah. well, thanks for That's, joining uh, us. <laughs> I'm glad that Sly stopped by. Yeah, and, it's always uh, good to have him. His yeah, garbled memories yeah. of his own movies. He's it's awesome. Great. And also Dolph. We had him. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new month, some new fun movies. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. What are we calling this month? I don't even know. It's uh, Weirdo Genre Flicks. Oh, Weirdo Genre Flicks. Yeah. We got uh, some really great surprises, probably stuff that you've never heard of. And if you have heard of them, you're going to be so excited we're doing the shows. So uh, tune in next time to see what we're doing. Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, sorry. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Jabberjaw, already in progress.